Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you're having a happy holiday, a happy New Year's. Jack currently on vacation. Uh, he will be back next week. We'll be back with more episodes next week. But I want to do a quick little bonus little episode about some of the things that we've all been doing during the past couple of years. And that's binging. Quarantine binging. Okay, I'm going to talk about some shows I've been binging that I haven't really had a chance to talk about on Struggle Session because I haven't done a deep dive on them. And I'm going to do that with the person I've been binging with, my partner, YB. Thank you so much for returning to Struggle Session. Hey, how you doing? This is YB. I hope everybody's doing well. Frost Fest. Uh, happy New Year and happy holidays. Um, great to be here at Struggle Session. Thankful and uh, extremely grateful. I'm going to start off with the the most recent quarantine discovery, which is, I think, probably the my, maybe the best one and most exciting. Oh, yeah. I, and one I had no idea was any good. Yes. Folks, I am Yellowstone-pilled. I started watching 1883 first. Yeah, because I saw 1883, you were watching, and it was like, that dude was killing a guy like every minute like i couldn't believe it i thought i thought the whole yellowstone universe was like walker takes texas ranger or something like very very dallas vibes yeah very, very rested dallas, yeah. but instead it's just like people murdering each other non-stop it's the like it's like sons of anarchy mixed with justified mixed with the shield like all sorts of shit it's but so overall good. binding uh energy is very succession it's extremely analogous of of the whole succession family and arc. I mean, you even have the the kind of the redhead vamp. You know, you have the evil older brothers and and various characteristics that are shared between the characters of Succession and Yellowstone. And of course, you can't forget um, the the kind of figurehead. You know, John Dutton in Yellowstone, played by Kevin Costner. Who I I, I oh you 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 get the idea. I think from the nineties that Kevin Costner was this very red state. You know, milk. He's like the red state Tom Hanks. You know, he's oh, only yeah. doing safe, safe. You know lights a small c conservative stuff but this show is is buck wild so but nudity swearing curse and yeah. violent 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 i posited that you know of course the dutton family of the yellowstones are evil they are the villains but yet i think if if i go on twitter or reddit it seems like everybody's like yeah uh there well not everybody but there's a certain contingency of people online that are like this is justice this is <laughs> this is exactly how america should be and this is by taylor sheridan who i've talked about on the show <gasps> yes. before I, so i think the first thing i saw of his was a uh, wind river which i saw in a movie theater in new york just ra randomly it was like only the only movie I had like a couple hours to get kill and it was the only movie that seemed halfway interesting on the bill. And I was blown away by it. Like very good, very gritty crime drama, but some pretty, you know, interest, decent politics too. And Oh, a hugely important. It was one of the first movies um, that highlights, you know, how indigenous women, um, native women in America are just kind of disappeared and, uh, you know, 
police and federal and state uh, American police never, never really investigate these crimes. That's a big part of Yellowstone too, colonialism, because the Duddons are, you know, settlers. And in 1883, we see how they, you know, took the land and mm. the, but the, uh, the indigenous people are still there and they're a primary, you know, I will antagonist to the Dudden family who are, you know, absolute evil i but but you do end up falling in love with the duddens which makes yeah. me want to ask you yb yeah. who's your favorite dudden boy um <laughs> so full disclosure i'm not really into succession but i love taylor sheridan i love how he speaks to the part of me that is very much an outdoors person you know so when you ask me to identify which of these evil characters i think that i really love it's difficult. I I see the minor characters so much more. Um, the the tr the 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 trail hand, not the trail hand, the cowboys. The, oh, cowboy the cowboys hands are great. From the bunkhouse, there's Jimmy, who's just really foolish and stupid and genuine. And then there's Walker. My gosh, Walker's Everyone. one of the coolest white Walker boys they ever is, lived. Is, <laughs> you gotta watch it just for Walker alone. Because this is a, a singing a, cowboy, a, an amazingly well-written character, and all Taylor Sheridan's characters are are ring so true, even if they jump the shark a little bit. They do. They, so they Walker would, would be my final. That's answer. your favorite yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, he does have the brand, so I guess he's folks. You gotta watch Yellowstone. It'll I'm make sorry. You wanna you, buy I, a hat, I, a I, I don't even want to say anymore. Yeah. Except I love Beth. Beth makes Shiv. Oh, looks if she, if Shiv's a Shiv, Beth is a machete. All right, or like that, a, a that, bazooka. Uh, that yeah. woman is one of the most terrifying characters I've ever seen on just TV. Machiavellian. I just mean, absolutely. Uh, Kelly Riley absolutely kills in the role. I don't want. We got a lot of shows to talk to. I don't want to dive in too much yeah. for people who haven't seen the show. But man, it's a it's a ride. If you like, you know, The Shield, The Sopranos. Hey, if you watch see, it down, oh, watch I do want to say with your dad or your mom. Oh, your dad and mom will love it. Ugh, As, if they can, love it. if they Cowboys, can deal with the violence, Westerns, yeah. Which I think they can. I think. Our, the old folks have been desensitized because like CBS has been having criminal minds and fucking NCIS <laughs> and that's nothing but, you know, sex, rape and murder. And then uh, they started showing the swearing on cable now. So I didn't realize this because we don't have cable, but like you can't just say shit on TNT. So you, your auntie, your uncles, your dads, they've, they, they've heard shit and fake, frankly, they're already watching Yellowstone. It has like oh, yeah. 7 million it's viewers live. It's hugely popular. Like young people in blue states are not watching the show. Yeah. And they you gotta absolutely watch it. should be. You this gotta is prestige watch it. TV, extremely well-written, Academy Award-winning writers, directors, um, and actors. Yeah, and, and, and really great cinematography, oh. too. Personally, Montana's I, I, beautiful. I have to admit, I have only been half watching the show. YB is actually watching. I'm usually in the other room doing something else because it is a soap opera, so you can enjoy it like that, but the shots are actually good. Like, it's mm. well- uh, film. Now, I think Taylor Sheridan. He's building a whole like Sheridan yeah, universe. Yeah, the Four Sixes Ranch. Was Four Sixes Ranch. By him, uh, his LLC. Now, I think he's just the face of the brand because that ranch sold for three hundred forty-seven million yeah. in Texas. <laughs> so uh, that's where his next show will be, and that will be uh, this. This show, like I just said, this show makes you want to go to Montana and appreciate the land. Yeah, it does. And that, above all, understanding the history of it as well, being stolen and stolen again from indigenous. The show people. does not let you forget. Uh, that for one uh, minute. So yeah, half the characters are themselves uh, either Lakotan or uh, indigenous uh, peoples. So um, please watch. <laughs> 
We and we cut. Watch it. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna throw in. Yeah. Uh, I think. 1883. Mayor, yeah. Well, I'm gonna throw in Mayor and the Killing right quick, just because oh. we're talking about crime dramas. Uh, yeah. Can I start with 1883 before we, you go on, so we don't have to go back to? Oh, that? I don't want to do a separate 1883. Oh, you just say. Uh, you should. I'll also check out 1883. Just a quick one. Yeah. Also check out 1883. It um it has it follows the his original family that make the voyage from Tennessee to Texas and then on to Oregon. It's the literal filming of the Oregon Trail. Um. And just in- incredible in every way. All right. And so we watched a couple of, I, I, I didn't watch too many crime stuff, you know, on the whole. Yellowstone is probably the best one. Yeah. We, we checked out Mayor of Easttown. Mayor I think of Easttown is, is, is solid. Okay. It's yeah. solid. It's yeah. solid. It's but, nice to see a drama set in Pennsylvania other than, you know, The Office or something, <laughs> which is, yeah. Uh, on the true crime beat, I I know why be you don't like true crime, but I have to any true crime. But anybody in the sound of my voice, if you like true crime, check out the Chameleon Killer. I forget which which app it's on, but if you're a true crime fan, you got all that little side app discovery and shit. Get the Chameleon Killer; it's probably the most fascinating story you want to see. But the number one crime thing we watch is, of course, Law and Order SVU. I just don't watch that show anymore. No. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. So the number one crime thing we watch probably is Law and Order SVU. We have, you know, been dun, watching dun. it a bit. Uh, not yeah, that good anymore. Just, just, and I actually think it's probably worse than ever now because they keep doing these crossovers with Stabler's awful show, which is like, un- like I watched every Law and Order. I can't watch this one. It's just no good whatsoever. I don't like the crossover. I SVU I think there's characters I still find that are amusing, but before I used to find it interesting and gripping. You know, um, what's what Rawlings? Rollins. Rollins is just uh, hilarious. Every every episode, she's you know playing someone in Vice, twenty years younger. Yeah, than she she's is, always wants just, to. She's volunteering to go undercover uh, all the time yeah. as like the sex pot. All the, like they are bringing back the original Law and Order. Don't mess with the Stabler one, but I, I'm mm-hmm. actually looking forward to seeing the original return. I don't know what they're gonna do with, it, but it seems like it might be fun. Yeah, I do. You know, and the DAs are coming back, but Stabler that line is a, a little but svu deep di- sorry you can cut that yeah and so outside on another genre we do- dove into a bit watched a lot of tv for science fiction yes science uh, fiction yeah. yes of course this is so, my wheelhouse this- so the number one probably the best show we watched definitely um, i think we could say is the okay. expanse I would even counter the foundation oh you think the foundation think, might be as good as the expanse i, think, I didn't well, watch that and one. You know, The Expanse, Invasion, Foundation, Away. Um, those are some. Those are the heavy hitters that I've really enjoyed. The sci- the kind of science fiction, Foundation, and Away. Away famously canceled after one season. Probably a lot of it happened to a lot of shows. It's, I, really, it's really kind of annoying. Like you, you 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 watch the show, and all these shows are so glacially paced. Like the first season is almost like a prequel for yeah. a lot of these. Like you're really just waiting to get into the story. We forget that a lot of the the media we consume is really kind of blitz status and very in short 
short takes. And so when something slow moving like Away comes with really well-developed characters like found in, in the series Foundation, it tends to kind of fly under the lit radar. And so Away was on Netflix for one season with Hilary Swank. Um, huge uh, uh, cast, you know. Mm, good um, production value from what he, I can amazing remember. Amazing production value and, you know, um, different languages. I was an okay fan of the books from Asimov. Found foundation uh, interested it me. It seems really, the TV show seems really different. It's, if if you like The Expanse or if you read something like a Peter Watts novel like Blindsight, you're going to be interested in, in The Expanse. But the f- foundation is Asimov and it, it becomes really deeper. It becomes so technical and brilliant. It's, it's it's uh, an expansive story crossing generations and it's just uh i you know i'm at a loss for words now how beautiful and amazing that show it, is i you know i'll have to check it i only saw some of it one thing that kind of threw me off is is uh, i have a problem with lee pace it's not that i dislike him it's that i really really like him yeah. so much that i don't like seeing him in sci-fi stuff yeah. i like i think he's too serious an uh, actor i to think be... you would get over that in I get, one I get over... episode okay. because lee pace himself is a chameleon in every role he inhabits he brings his own lee paceian universe to it and that kind of almost psychotic sociopath gaze that he has yeah he and plays in, the uh, eternal emperor which is emperor. not in the books actually yeah. he's the eternal emperor of the universe and he has three he plays the middle clone dusk uh, brother dusk the emperor and then brother dawn so he perpetually clones himself and um and it's in place because the first emperor decided, you know, this was the safest way for the human universe to expand, you know. Um, but uh, so each generation will clone itself and uh, continue controlling, you know, the universe. And who else could play that but Lee Pace, yeah. you know, from Halton Catch Fire and, and other. <laughs> he shows. is tall enough for it. He's uh, tall enough to be the Eternal Emperor. And it does. I mean, there are so many elements to it when you think it's it's supposed to span or it's moving to span 30,000, 40,000 years. And they've woven this story so well. You have um, Harry Seldon, who's in the books. He he becomes a digitized version, sentient digitized version of himself. Spoiler alert, of course, a little bit there. Um, and, uh, and I love the casting. Um, it's not something that would have been made as well 20, 30 years ago, simply because um, a lot of the stories that we're highlighting today are, you know, diverse casted, uh, diversely casted, and that would not have happened 20 years ago, and it would have been an extremely poor story for it. So I'm happy to see uh, women of color. Foundation just uh, weaves it all together. I, I want to recommend too many canceled shows because this is disappointing to people, mm. but the Brie that you introduced me to was <sighs> on NBC. A heartbreaker, debris. It was, I, I it started, it seemed to start off. My heart it, literally like, stopped when you said that. Yeah, it's, it was very much seen in the vein of like one of these many, many X-Files clones. Yeah. But it had like a bit more, but it also Amazing had, premise. but it was like updated a bit. It's like the premise is that this, um, spaceship I, um, might have broken apart past well before the Oort cloud, but um, and but after the uh, asteroid belt after Mars, so th- they start getting debris. Debris starts being uh, like falling out of the, out of space and pulled by Earth's gravity, and all this debris is raining on Earth, and this special secret. Um, 
and the debris called and the debris from these alien spaceships is technology far far advanced than anything humans could possibly understand and it causes all these weird yeah. things it's almost it's basically like death stranding yeah. like it's very similar uh to death stranding <laughs> they have to try to collect it all because even a, diff a what looks like a harmless shard from from you know maybe the size of your hand has the tendency to have extreme side effects and repercussions for like for it, humans around like it, it. can well, it can trap send you back to time it can, can clone people oh, don't it trap people yeah, it's all sorts of things it like um caused a, a, an entire you know and it radiates has a tendency to kind of um act like a nuclear radioactive material so it starts to bleed and they have to try yeah. to collect it and contain yeah it's it. like nuclear nuclear waste but that causes like weird sci-fi shit to happen it was very very interesting show and then, sadly course, if i can interject here there's the anti-team on earth funded by dark money that is trying to collect this and has already um is already starting to use it so they're able to travel um s certain short distances to escape they they kind yeah, of they can like teleport yeah. alternate route not, not often successfully yeah yeah but very fun show my worth checking out it's only 13 episodes hopefully they follow it with a comic book or something mm. uh the raised by debris. Yeah. yeah debris raised by wolves as well really scott's uh <gasps> Raised yeah. by Wolves, yeah. I think it's on HBO. HBO Max. Yeah. Um, and it's uh they're seeding another world, I believe is the It's premise. like the last people escaping planet Earth once it's suffered ecological collapse. They're on a desperate mission. Yeah, huge to, generation ships. Not to, not just like one ship, but there's huge generation ships um, you know, following a path. And I think it's the one uh that crash lands on this planet. They think it's one they can seed, but um, uh, there's a group of uh, children, you know, they're, they have raised and they're being raised by cyborgs. Cyborgs. It's so, and they're so fucking creepy too. Definitely worth uh, checking out on the sci-fi front. As far as comedy goes, yeah. one of the th big show that you introduced me to during the quarantine Happy endings. Happy endings. Thankfully, this one didn't only run for one season. You got three se seasons of this one, plus a post-pandemic. Swear to God, they did a they did an episode over Zoom yeah. uh, of their canceled show that was actually really funny. So yeah. happy endings. It was on. I think it was on ABC. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's always sunny in Philadelphia for normies, but still very funny. Yeah. Very very funny. Uh, set in Chicago. Pretty good cast. Very, uh, excellent cast. Ex excellent class. Very, very funny. And a joke a minute. A Great joke ensemble a minute. cast. It's 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 like a... I hate to equate it with a Seinfeld or Friends. Um, I think because it, because it has its own little kick, you know, in the jokes and the way it's delivered. Um, and David Casp. Uh, David Casp is that guy. Yeah, it was the anti-Friends. So you have an SNL cast-off in it um, who was obviously... Who was probably... Uh, I don't know. You have an SNL cast off in it. You have a Wayans. The Wayans. Son, you got whose the, timing is insane. Oh, uh, Damon Wayans Jr. is so funny. Actually, he's very, he might be the funniest Wayans. He since his father. I mean, it's absolutely he has everything. Um, and he's he's got every kind of comic element that you see in in Damon Wayans. And um, Eli Elisha Cuthbert is very good in this. I didn't oh. expect it because the thing about Happy End is it, 
and if you watch the first episode, you might not like it that much because yeah, it does start it. with a traditional will they won't they, but then eventually they realize that the two like main characters are complete pieces of shit. The base, the the you know the beautiful Alicia Cuthbert's character, she's like. <laughs> A, she's, she's like a QAnon. She's like really yeah. like QAnon over the top. Like the in the in the if, zoom in the Zoom call. They were a QAnon. Yeah, yeah, she's like not a good person at all, and they shouldn't have been together in oh, the yeah, first they, place. The sisters are Serbian, and their grandmother was a Nazi. So that theme kind of goes <laughs> underlying. It's that it sounds insane when you say it, and of course. Um, so there's a lot of also one of the friends is gay, but he's very, you know, he's he's not like sitcom stereotype gay. So that was a real kind of, uh, I think, a curveball for studios. Like, how do you sell someone um, a gay character in a TV show that's not, you know, going for the last? Who is like just a, a bro. bro? He's a he's, he's an asshole. He's yeah, just he's, a bro. I'm Adam not- Polly as <laughs> as Adam Polly, you know, but not not straight. Happy endings breaks the stereotype and breaks it in anger. So like it's it's hugely funny. It's got a great Pratt Falls um punchlines, thankfully no laugh track. No laugh track, but it does have it That's has it, no laugh track, but it has like slapstick humor. I can't talk enough about happy endings. The first season not as good as the rest, but definitely uh check it out. Yeah. I can if I can add something here, um any comedy uh, right if I can add something here, there's a lot of comedies and sitcoms out there, but um, they're always generally capsule episodes and you have a group of an ensemble that you don't really see growing. There's a TV show out there. It's a BBC. It's the UK version. Uh, it's called Ghosts. Now, the United States has remade this series, first series of Ghosts out. It's okay. It's got some laughs in it. I think if you are a fan of British comedy like Monty Python or Faulty Towers, you're going to enjoy this. I, we actually watched a lot of comedy now that I think well, about yeah, it. So my one, new hobby, of course, is stand-up. So that's why. Yes. <laughs> Did we see any good stand-up? Well, actually, we got to see Michelle Wolf, Wolf in, live. It was really person. good. This is before Omicron came yes, out. Yes, this was right we before. I, Everybody's wearing double masks in that club. and uh, Oh, I don't need to justify. I ain't fucking going nowhere. <laughs> I ain't going <laughs> I nowhere. I, uh, I, ain't go, was, I ain't going nowhere, it was our, uh, It was my birthday <laughs> present. I think I had complained that um uh no I, it was my birthday present and oh yeah because i it was, was great... interested in doing stand-up it's going to be really important for me to start to go to shows and, uh, and we got fun. right in under the wire yeah. right under the wire like, it's kind of a drop concert you know very cheap very fast and they but, have a lot of anyway. yeah but michelle was she was very funny i had fun i i i, I was literally sitting there i was like oh this is great we should come up to the improv all the time <laughs> <laughs> what a foolish thing what a foolish idea i had but at, at home we've watched uh, some other good companies mythic quest from mac from it's always sunny and if you like always sunny mythic quest very much in a similar vein but i think people just don't watch it because it's on apple tv i think that's the biggest uh, knock on it probably the same reason people aren't checking out uh foundation uh as well but also joe para Man, yeah. that was a funny show. That was and really heartwarming too. Yeah. I think we watched. We actually watched we, it last, last year, year Christmas. Uh, Chris, around Christmas. It was a really tough time. I think at Christmas, um, it hit a lot of people. Or in the holidays, you get cold. You want to bundle up and stay at home. The pandemic was already full in swing, and and there was a lot of feeling going on. And and especially, um, you know, 
I think Joe Pera was exactly what my soul needed. And if you're in, you know, he's a very kind of, he's, he has a very dry humor and, um, and his topics aren't so witty and urbane. Um, they're just kind of a slice of life. Uh, I think what's unique about Joe Pera it talks with you is that he has a lot of non-actors in the show. So they will explain something and it's not like he's making fun of them. He's very much interested in the talk, but he let allows them to be their own kind of dry humor. He allows, it allows real people to shine in, in his comedy. So there's a lot of kind of, it's something new. Moving on to another genre yeah. that, you know, is fairly timely for the pandemic. End of days drama. Yeah, post-apocalypse. Yeah. So Station Eleven is, uh, uh, was originally a book from 2014, I think. And it follows, um, follows what happens when there's a virus that has 99.9% of a fatality rate. And it follows a couple of characters, Kristen being the main character. And she starts the pandemic. She lives through the pandemic, and it happens when she's an eight-year-old child. So the, the story jumps through her life in the book. In the TV series, it's been adapted. They call it an aggressive adaptation. It doesn't make for any less of a compelling story, though. So I think, um, I think although um, the main actress... Uh, Mackenzie Davis is really good. Well, who really shines in this drama is um, Lori Petty, the tank girl. You might remember also from Orange is the New Black. Um, she uh, she plays one of the uh, leaders of the Traveling Symphony, which is what the story then f in the TV show finally ends up on. The Traveling Symphony, a group of actors and musicians who for the two decades have been uh, lapping Lake Superior and giving shows. So it follows them and their engagement with someone called the Prophet. So you have a really kind of uh, already an end of times of end of civilization kind of battle between the prophet and uh, Kirsten and uh, the traveling symphony. So uh, you go for the story and you stay for the characters. Very, very well acted and great dialogue. I, it's just for, there was something, there's something about station 11. I couldn't quite get into because, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are responding to it because they, it, it presents a vision of the future where life, humanity, culture goes on after the apocalypse and people really dig <laughs> yeah. that that's not for me uh but i see a lot of people responding a lot to that it's something i think for me it's like the morbid curiosity a lot of us might be having uh be thinking about this pandemic as kind of prep um, <laughs> so you really see uh, different ideas of what might happen in this kind of event and i'm not sure it's entirely uh, something that isn't going to happen, especially with how we reacted with the pandemic, but it certainly shows us a, a more hopeful kind of uh, outlook and yeah. how how people could survive. Yeah, it's more post post apocalyptic, mm. almost. Yeah, almost. thirty or twenty years. Sorry, twenty years. Yeah, it's all is you know things are kind of getting settled. At, at least you think. And unfortunately, I think Invasion will probably be canceled because um, it does kind of go under the radar. It it follows a a, a woman. Um, and her family as an invasion happens, uh, an alien invasion. You never really, you don't, they don't do an alien reveal until quite a few episodes in. So invasion follows the perspective of uh, Dr. Anish Malik, but she's not really a doctor. She gave up during her residency to become a mother and, and marry, marry her husband. Um, so the, sh the story really thrusts you in um, to the invasion and, 
the, it does follow three distinct perspectives. You have uh, Anisha, you have a young boy in the United Kingdom who was on an outing with his classmates when the invasion started. And then you have the third perspective of the elite soldier in the middle of, uh, I think, Afghanistan um, with his uh, sortie, his little his squad. Um, and so th- you see the perspective of the evasion from three people around the world. And then you see the repercussions over the following months. And it's a, a really touching story. Um, also an, another drama, apocalyptic drama, where you see a different outlook other than, well, the world ended and everybody was evil. You see different people reacting in different ways, and that's important. It's, it makes it more interesting. It feels a bit to me almost like a World War Z sort of mm-hmm. take on the alien. Yeah, world. definitely. I think you could, in World War Z, you had Brad Pitt, or in the book, rather. Uh, but if you watch the Oh, movie, I meant the video game. Oh. It was very good as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, but you do see an a global event and how it impacts three people. I have no doubt in two years, you're going to see um, dramas that focus uniquely on the pandemic. And you're going to see maybe uh, similar apocalyptic dramas uh, in production on TV. Because I think we're all interested in seeing our better selves, but we're also intrigued about seeing how shitty we were represented on the screen. Yeah, well, here uh, one show that we, you yeah. watched that I know you didn't like, I was kind of surprised by this, because from the, from seeing it, it looked kind of okay. Yeah. Why the Last Man? Now, that one did get canceled. It, yes, it by seemed, me as well. It seemed <laughs> like it was okay and had pretty good cast, but I, I knew, I, I read the comic books in the past, and you and you said this to me when you were watching the show. Yeah. The, pro- the main problem with the show, uh, with the comic, is that York is... Uh, Yorick and his sister are the two most annoying people that have ever existed mm. on the face of the planet. But they're also in this story the most important people that have ever existed. And you and like you really have to be invested into them and their relationship as people in order to like the comic. Yeah. And he's just a piece of shit. The now, comic book develops that, and it, I think it's easier on the printed page. Oh, really? I believe the the fundamental problem of. Uh, this TV show is it? I think it was just entirely too generalized for my tastes, and uh, I, <laughs> it lacked any depth or nuance. So that's what my take was. On that. <laughs> All right, and so closing off, there's two shows uh-huh. going on now yeah. that we're excited to watch. Now, as soon as we get off recording this podcast, uh-huh. we're going to be watching them: the new season of Dexter and Yellow Jackets, both on Showtime. You know the pandemic. It has aged us. We're all now like 65 years old. And so Sunday night we sit down, you know, after we finished up work, you know, getting ready for work, we sit down now and the activity we have is to watch TV. Whereas we might be going out or hanging out with friends, we we once again have to limit ourselves. Rollerblading or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> where, where we used to do. But uh, Yellow Jackets. Well, we used, to, we used to watch Dexter back in the day. And the folks the new season might be the best season of dexter i i'm shocked at how good it is i absolutely love it It does and it appeals to me because the original dexter in miami that that i watched it and he intrigued me as a character but the setting the miami is just a too it seemed like it was too pretty a location Uh. um i feel 
this Dexter because it takes place in in you know the in the north uh, upstate I think New York. Right? It does feel. I think they do identify it as where where I grew up, and that feels totally authentic. The way it looks, the way people talk, um, the skills we have. If you grow up in the Adirondacks, that feels totally authentic. Also, one of the reasons I like Yellowstone in 1883. Well, yeah, the thing I liked about this new season of Dexter, it, it just really captures the intensity of like Dexter is always like fucking up Dexter is always like on the run Dexter is always yeah he's gotten soft he's gotten sloppy and like he is going to get caught you feel like which mm. is always which was the central tension of the main show the original show which they never paid off and fear sadly. not original fans of Dexter obviously this show also features his sister so his sister oh, is, my God. is still a huge part of his life. Uh, and the actress who played her is still in this show. Jennifer Carpenter yeah. uh, is actually better in this than she was oh, in the original deck. Brilliant. I it's a bet it's a bet she plays the ghost Deb, which is a projection of Dexter's mind, and it, she really just haunts him. Really. And, and if, if you didn't like, uh, if if you didn't like Jennifer Carpenter as his sister, you'll be happy to know that Dexter has a girlfriend. Dexter's new girlfriend is played by Julia Jones, um, and she's pitch perfect. And she's doing like an impression of Jennifer Carpenter. Uh, the writing is such that you are definitely seeing elements of of Jen the Jennifer Carpenter played sister and his new girlfriend uh, played by. Uh, Julia Jones. Now, Yellow Jackets. Mm. This is a brand new show. Um, mm. Karen Kusama, who I talked a lot about, one of my uh, favorite horror directors, was involved in this a bit. Now, I started off the show really exciting because the promise was we were going to get to see all our cool ass alt fucking actresses from the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and lots of 90s music in it, lots of 90s references. The music in it. is amazing. And then there was going to be fucking uh, Lord of Flies cannibal shit happening. We are, we are kind of, uh, it, it, there is an indication that, that we don't know how these people survived this, this plane crash. Um, so Yellow Jackets, it takes place over two time periods where it shows these teen girls who in the eight, uh, in the nineties in the nineties in okay. the 90s who were going to like a state final no national uh, Na soccer championship and they're playing crashes in the, in the in in the north in the Canada probably northern Saskatchewan something like that. It sets it up and then it, so it flashes forward then. It focuses on four of the survivors in adulthood. They're in their 40s now. And um, you see how things are kind of spinning out of control for them in the most eerie, eerie kind of way. It is one of those kind of past coming back to haunt you shows because apparently there was a bunch of murder and cap cannibalism that happened once this plane crashed. I say apparently because even though we're seven episodes in, we haven't really gotten to the point yeah. Where the plane cr in the plane crash storyline, twenty girls survive. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we haven't gotten to the point where um, the, in the plane crash storyline where anything bad starts happening because there's been hints of like cannibalism and some sort of cult forming we do, we but, do, and human yeah. sacrifice, but we haven't really seen that take place uh, contemporary contemporaneously. And I feel like it's kind of. I mean, we only got a couple episodes left. Give me the blood. Give me the well, guts. Well, it does have to go over nineteen months. The only the only facts we know are there. We have we have met five people from the crash. We know that about 20, 20 of the girls and their um, chaperones survived. Um, 
And we know that 19 months is going to pass before their rescue. What we don't know is uh, the flash forward, you know, what's going on and how they survived. We see them already start to struggle and they have no food now. And um, and that's the gap that has to be filled. Well, it sounds like we need to go and watch this. But thank you so much, YB, for joining me and talking about some of our pandy pandemic picks we'll have to talk some more we got a lot more we even get to talk about medium or wiggies that was two things you put me on that were big but we'll <laughs> we'll do another episode if y'all enjoy this one but thank y'all so much uh for joining us on struggle session today thank you so much yb let's thank go you. let's go watch some tv yeah